Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... Finding someone on an online Catholic dating site shouldn't be like shopping for a blender. So why do most dating sites leave you feeling like you're shopping for a spouse? At Catholic Singles, we connect members through our unique user polls and activities, which help you discover other members and their personalities and interests. Because you're a person, not a profile picture. So stop shopping and start discerning. Trust your love story to the original Catholic dating site and use the promo code REDBOX at checkout for 20% off at catholicsingles.com. Welcome back to this week's episode of Lisa Henty and Friends, where I am delighted, absolutely thrilled to bring you one of the filmmakers behind the beautiful film Fatima. You will see a lot of information about this film because it will be releasing um, very soon. Um, but we have on the show today to join us Natasha House, who is one of the producers for the film. Welcome to the podcast, Natasha. Thank you so much. I'm so looking forward to sharing some time with you. Well, I'm delighted. I've had um, a sneak peek a couple of times at the film, as I just shared with you, and um, it's it's a it's absolutely such a compelling story, and I just can't wait to take a little bit of a deep dive with you. You know, um, I was I wanted to tell you before we start talking about Fatima, um, when your name came up as far as the interview, I wanted to share with you my memory of watching the Thirteenth Day, which I know you were integral in the involvement with that film. <laughs> um, I watched that. I screened that film um, in a parish hall in Madera, California, to an absolutely um, swept up audience that couldn't stop clapping at the end of it. And so your involvement with films like this has been um, important. And I wanted to ask you how you got involved with um, Fatima. Wow. Well, thank you so much for sharing that story. I mean, that that is really meaningful um, I was the producer on the 13th day, and uh, that was released in 2009. And, you know, that very, very much was um, the brainchild of uh, a very devout Catholic who had a deep, deep devotion to Fatima. And that really impressed and started my own devotion specifically to the Blessed Mother and, uh, and you know, my in- integration with, within the Fatima story um, specifically has been responsible for my own conversion. So, you know, I, I have a very deep devotion to the Blessed Mother and to the story of Fatima. And um, really my history with now this major Fatima movie started back then with the 13th day as I uh, became more integrated into what I would call the Fatima world. And so through my uh, original act- activities um, with the 13th day, I became uh, known by the Shrine of Fatima. I spent a lot of time in and out of Fatima working with some of the key authorities and key organizations who are responsible for the dissemination, the meaning and message of Fatima to the world. And it was part of the credential of that that essentially enabled me to become attached to the new major motion picture, the new Fatima movie, uh, because of my specific relationships in the field. And I guess because I've kind of been working within the Fatima story for what is now 15 years, I've become 
well, I would call an inadvertent specialist in, <laughs> specialist in the area. So, uh, you know, whilst, whilst I'm not deeply theological, I, I am certainly deeply passionate and very knowledgeable about various aspects of the Fatima story. And, um, and so, yes, I've kind of become, my name has become a little bit kind of synonymous with Fatima as of today. So that's where it started. That's how I ultimately became involved with the new Fatima movie. I'd actually worked with uh, the, the, one of the lead uh, production companies, Origin Entertainment. I had uh, become known to them in my earlier work and had worked with them on another couple of projects in the past. And, um, and then the fab, they started to develop the Fatima movie, and it was really around 2014, 2015 that um, I reapproached Origin, uh, James Folk specifically, and said, "Look, you know, I, I think I can bring, I can bring a little bit of weight here with my knowledge of the Fatima story and and some of those key relationships." So that's really where it started. I became attached five, six years ago in the development process. Uh, which was really three years before we went into production. So, um, so yes, that's that's my involvement, and you know we're so delighted to actually be able to bring this movie to the world and particularly to mainstream audiences. That's you know one of the key definitions and distinctions with this this major movie has always been around our appreciation that the message of Fatima is for the world. It's for all people. And for us to really be able to um, make that message accessible to the world, we really needed to create a story that has what we call a crossover appeal. Um, and, you know, to be able to attract mainstream distributors to be a, who have the platforms and capacity to really push this film beyond purely the Catholic network. You know, the 13th day was very, very much within, produced within that kind of the established mm -hmm. Catholic framework. And, and so this has been the new Fatima movie has very much been produced with a slightly more mainstream appeal where we're really digging inside what I call the human story behind the stories of the apparition and the miracle of Fatima. So, um, so yes, it really is a, it is deeply emotional. And uh, we believe that we have created a, a, a work that can, can really appeal and become quite accessible to, to a very broad public. It's it's so wonderful. And um, Natasha, I was just thinking as you were describing this, how in a way, maybe your IMDb listing should say like um, our lady secret agent or something like that. You're you're a, an heir to carrying <laughs> oh on, goodness, carrying so on the, uh, the the message, um, the message of our lady at Fatima. So uh, wow. so many questions. But first of all, I want to ask, um, because this film is in some ways a remake of a 1952 Warner Brothers film, The Miracle of Our Lady of Fatima. And yet, as you've discussed, it really is a film for our age with very sweeping production values. Um, did you mm -hmm. ever, did you see that early? I'm sure you've seen the early film. I've never seen it. Have you seen it? I, I, I have seen it, yes. I do need to be quite specific here. We, it's not actually a remake of the 1952. Um, there's certain terminologies in the movie industry that, you know, we have to be mindful of. So just from copyright perspective, this is a purely original work. There so, you go. Um, yes. But of course, but of course, in terms of formula and what the 1952 movie did, we're following a similar 
formula in terms of reaching out to a much more mainstream public. So, so yeah, so the for, it's what I call an A-list formula, i.e. working with higher production value, higher production budgets, working with known stars who obviously, you know, they bring their own audiences as well and they have their own kind of credential that attracts audiences to the movie. So, you know, it's a, it's a slightly different formula well let's talk about um, that i have seen the movie but it's very different yeah i was gonna (laughs) say i would imagine it would be and i want to talk about casting for a moment because um the film is shot entirely in portugal and we'll we'll to speak a little bit about location notes in just a bit but um there is at least one name that will be very well known to um viewers who see the film and that's that of harvey keitel who plays professor nichols in the in the film um and before i i guess in, a, in the opening scenes of the film, we meet him along with so- Sonia um, Braga. Is that how her name is pronounced? Correct, Sonia Braga. Who yeah. is um, portraying Sister Lucia. Um, and as as her life has reached the point where she's looking back on her memories, and there's this very um, beautiful opening dialogue between a seeker, a spiritual seeker, who is kind of like, you know, um, the person who is there to kind of maybe perhaps debunk um, Sister's memories. And, mm-hmm. um, and then then we are swept after the opening credits into um, into the life of these children. And really, it's there that this film, to me, has its heart. Can you talk a little bit about um, about both um, Joanna Ribeiro, um, who plays Mary, and, and also um, Stephanie Gill, who plays the younger Lucy? Oh, well, yes. I mean, in, in terms of casting, I mean, it, it was a very interesting process. Uh, primarily because, yes, you're absolutely right, the entire film is shot in Portugal. Authenticity, uh, historical accuracy is is really part of the, the one of the key qualities of the film, uh, which the Italians do so, so very well. Um, interesting with Stephanie Gill, she actually, we cast for the children out of Madrid. So, you know, the, the challenges of finding three young children who, you know, essentially, you know, they appear in pretty much every scene in the movie. And so, you know, the actual, um, the logistics around filming, the legal logistics around filming that are, are huge, let alone then finding three children, particularly Stephanie Gill, who plays Lucia, who is ultimately the protagonist of the film, um, and the film's story and the story world in this particular instance, you know, actually finding a young actor with enough acting gravitas and maturity to be able to carry not only a movie of this scope, you know, we shot for 51 days, which is a very prolonged shooting period because of working with children. You know, they had actors doubles and everything else to ensure we retained legally a legal responsibility for their well-being, you know, that they had private tutors. But, you know, she was, Stephanie was, or and is hands down, well, she's more than a natural. She just exudes uh, a talent that really is, is quite profound, you know. And she was, she can just, she turns on that emotion literally at, at the, at, at the word action. She's, she is that character. And, she truly did carry the role of Lucia so incredibly well. I mean, this is, you know, a child whose life, the turmoil of her life, her life is turned completely upside down. 
let alone then a child actor who can act to to miracles and to apparitions and to you know to actually be believable in the presence of the Blessed Mother <laughs> at the same time as then carrying the weight and the suffering of the world on her shoulders, you know. So it really is a, a, a com. You know, Lucia is a complex, deeply spiritual character, and I really feel that Stephanie Gill, you know, has the capacity to do that to to actually relay that level of experience. So, as I said, we cast her out of Madrid. Uh, we worked with child casting agents to do that. You know, it was pretty much a worldwide search to find these actors. Um, and and we knew that there was a, you know, some specific schools in Madrid that really were pushing out some quite incredible child actors. And so that's where we found all three children. Um, Stephanie Gillard, actually, her previous role uh, before that, she'd just come out of Terminator 4. And um, and then this is her first major role in a, in a lead role. So... So, yeah, she's will definitely fantastic. be the start of a very bright career, though, as you as you oh, said. Oh, my she's, goodness. She really she's is. She's incredible. Yeah, she's really she's talented. Incredible. And I also really want to is. give a shout out to Jorge and Alejandra, who play Francisco and Jacinta. Yeah. And particularly yeah. Alejandra has this sort of spunk about her that is just captivating. Oh, she's so spunky. She re- you know, I have a wonderful story. We did invite the, the, the key administrators from the Shrine of Fatima, who... You know, we I've been working with them for a number of years and they did attribute a um, an advisory committee made up of, you know, the rector, the vice rector, the chief apostolate for the canonization, the children, and, 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 and. So, you know, we really did have a phenomenal advisory team from the shrine who actually came to set one day. And um, in fact, Sister Angela Coelho, she is the postulator for the canonization, both of Jacinta and Francisco, and then now also for Sister Lucia. And um, and they were all on set for a day, and you know they were most interested to meet the children because they obviously their characters and personalities are very very close to their hearts. And and uh, and Sister Angela specifically says, "Oh my goodness, you know that Alejandra specifically because she is quite spunky. You know, she's like she reminds her so much of the character of actual of Jacinta and her specific characteristics. So, you know, she's such they're so they're just such have such capacity to." You know, getting getting children to act and to be able to respond believably. Not only that, but they're acting in a second language, although they all speak English fluently, and then emulating a Portuguese accent. You know, it's a very complex process, but, you know, phenomenal, just really beautiful young children who rose to the challenge incredibly well, who were on set every single day, you know, and loved it. And I know there was a lot of tears for them all as they left set at the end of the shoot. Um, Jorge, particularly, he actually performed live for Pope Francis at the Vatican. He is a professional dancer as well, um, as well as being, you know, quite a phenomenal actor. So, you know, we really did. We, we, well, we were blessed. That's uh-huh. all I, we were truly blessed to actually find and be able to cast such remarkable young talent in these roles. And, you know, little, little Alejandra, when you look at images next to Jacinta, they, there's a similarity to their look and their vitality. And, and so, yes, it was quite incredible. There's this um, very wonderful kind of um, turn of dialogue um, in the film between Professor Nichols and uh, and Sister Lucia, where he asks about why 
um, why the apparitions of Mary occur in in the sense of, you know, what, where one's comfort level is, why Mary looks like us when yeah. she comes to see us. And I thought of that as I considered um, the role of Joanna Ribeiro, who plays um, yeah. Mary in the film. And she de- she definitely has just this very kind of luminescent, but also earthy and a, Portuguese a, look a, about a, her. Yeah, um, uh, ethereal and earthy all at the same yeah. time. I mean, she's... Can, She's a quite has a phenomenal beauty, I have to say, inside and out. I mean, this Joanna glows. I mean, she walks on. You know, she she's just this in, incredibly beautiful woman. You know, so um, so yeah. Sorry, your question. Oh, I just wanted to ask about her casting, and um, although you wouldn't, I mean, in a film about Fatima, Our Lady is <laughs> is the star, but she's not the one you know who's on the screen the most. But how how was she cast, and what is she? What does this um, actor bring to this role? Well, again, you know, as you say, it's very much in keeping with part of the thematic, which is that was is developed in the conversation between Professor Nichols and Sister Lucia around, you know, why do apparitions ultimately appearing or choosing to appear in the form in which they are most recognisable to the to the recipient of that vision, I guess. So. You know, I know there was a lot of discussion. Well, you know, just the characterization of Mary as a start, of the Blessed Mother as a start. There was, you know, again, this is about developing the human story behind the stories of the apparition, the miracle. And, you know, and part of that consideration was about, you know, how how do we represent the Blessed Mother? And, you know, we... It, we've toed and fro a lot. There was a lot of debate around it. And Marco Ponte Cordwell particularly was, you know, very impassioned with the idea of actually presenting her as a real woman, as a as a real woman to these children so that we get a true sense as to how these children fell in love with this beautiful woman from heaven who appears them without fear and without, you know, it, it, they weren't been a little Jacinta you know, in, in Sister Lucy, in Sister Lucy's memoirs. She said that the you know, little Jacinta just kept repeating, she's so beautiful. She was just so beautiful. It's like, oh my goodness. So you're actually characterizing the Blessed Mother in a way that is recognizable to these children. So actually having her appear as a Portuguese woman, a very beautiful, earthy, ethereal Portuguese woman. And um, I think Joana Ribeiro really does, you know, really does embody those characteristics. And not only that, you know, I mean, there are you're actually having Joana respond and act in a way that wasn't in you know, what we call, it's, it's not the floating Mary syndrome where you have this, you know, angelic voices as it's floating Mary hovers above the children. <laughs> it's very much as she's responding, she's also responding in a very, we wanted to humanize the Blessed Mother so that, you know, it's less kind of godly and much more human so that we feel her emotions, that we can actually experience that emotive reality, that we actually feel the suffering of the world through the Blessed Mother. And you know, and, and the gentleness and the nurturing. And, you know, there's, there's a distinct mother-daughter thematic that is developed throughout the film as well, which is, you know, between particularly Lucia and her mater- and her mother and then Lucia and the Blessed Mother. 
And, you know, what is it about this, the Blessed Mother, the humanity, the depth of humanity of this Blessed Mother that attracts Lucia to her so, so profoundly? I think it is um, that, and- that juxtaposition, um, which to me was one of the, the hallmarks that will make someone who's not necessarily a viewer of faith want to see this film, because mm-hmm. you have very much this um, mother-daughter relationship between Lucia and her mother, Maria, who obviously loves her yeah. and is a deeply faithful woman, but is also flawed. Um, and I think that there's intrigue and humanity in that relationship that... Um, that is the counterpart to what Lucia experiences with the Blessed Mother and those apparitions. I want to ask you, because I'm going to run out of time pretty soon, um, two, two extra questions. Um, one about um, those the visionary scenes where we see uh, Lucia experiencing these really quite frightening, you know, visions of um, war and her brother and, you know, the unrest, um, how how that particularly was done in production. And then I have one more question after that as well. Sure. Well, it was done far less in production and far more in post-production. So, um, you know, the majority of, obviously, yesterday was the July 13th, for the, the revelation of the third secret, or the, the secret of Fatima told in three parts. So, Yesterday was a big day for in the story of Fatima specifically. Um, but yes, yeah, so the July 13th apparition, it was filmed out of sequence. Um, the live action shots were clearly filmed, you know, actually on site as we, you know, there's Sister Lucia specifically in one of her communications with Pope Benedict did actually identify that, or it has been identified that the visions of that the third, that the secret was that, that, that that was imparted to them, was given to them in a way that evoked iconography, religious iconography that the children had probably been exposed to through, you know, going to church, imagery on the walls in the church. And so, you know, part of the development of that, you know, how to actually depict the, the, the secret of Fatima was kind of evolved from that perspective. So, you know, we do enter that vision of hell through through the dynamic of, uh, through special visual effects of going into ultimately a dramatized version of one of the iconographic images that are on the, the local church walls. So, you know, that was done in post, but conceptually we went through some, you know, I know Marco Pontecorvo had a very in-depth interaction specifically with the chief historian at the Shrine of Fatima called Marco Daniel Duarte to really kind of dig around inside what the interpretations of those secrets really were, what the church's perspective of the interpretation was, and how Sister Lucia experienced and perceived that. And that's ultimately what informed his creative decision to actually to show the children's reception of those secrets in that way. So... So yes, I, did I answer that? Yes, question? you did, and it's, it's actually you. it's actually quite convincing to the point of actually being very frightening. So, <laughs> well it done, is. well done, um, thank you, well done. And and finally, I want to ask you about um, the score. I'm a, I'm the mother of a musician, so I always pay very close attention to music and film. And um, there is this just very. Um, 
perfect score. Um, Paolo Boncini, I think, or Boncino? Paolo Bonvino. Um, yes, Bonvino. And yes. Uh, his yes. music is so perfect. And there's one particular moment where Lucia is just lying in some tall grass. Um, oh, yeah. It just took my breath away. The music was so beautiful. Um, but I know everyone will want to know about the involvement of Andrea Bocelli and um, yes. his Grazia Plena, which um, is rolling over the ending credits, um, which you'll want to stay until the screen goes dark because it's just such a beautiful performance. Can you say a few words about um, Mr. Bocelli's involvement? Yes, certainly. So um, Andrea Bocelli very specifically has a deep devotion to the Blessed Mother. And uh, just as we were really beginning our interactions, it, you know, Bocelli's involvement was very much the brainchild of one of our wonderful producers, Rose Ganguza, who was Whatever happens, Bocelli needs to be attracted to this, attract, you know, attached to this picture because she knew of his his very deep devotion to the Blessed Mother, and and he's very devout Catholic, um, and you know she, it was it was a, a genius moment that as we started our, our pursuit of that attachment, um, it just so happened then that 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 uh, Bocelli Andrea actually performed a perform he performed at the shrine of Fatima in honor of the centennial celebration so that was in in 2018 that he actually did a free concert in the new basilica at the shrine of Fatima and he went and visited Fatima for the first time with his wonderful wife and you know he actually did a you know the the pilgrimage on his knees around the little capelita so you know his attachment to the project came was was absolutely inspired. We've been utterly blessed to be able to have his involvement and and to work with his incredible voice on on Gratia Plena, which was written and written by Paolo Bombino, and um, and it is going to be quite a pr- profound part of the soundtrack. So, you know, he's um, he he's a big supporter of the film. He is. It was definitely a an element of devotion for him. Uh, to to bring his voice and the gravitas of his persona to the movie, and uh, you know I think all in all we we've just been so another one of our truly blessed moments um, that that we honestly feel that we have we've received some form of of you know heavenly blessing on on the on the picture. So we've been going at this for a lot of years and. To actually be in a place now to bring it to fruition and to actually bring it to audiences to truly love and appreciate, we are we're so excited and and so profoundly moved to actually be. You know, every movie is a miracle. I think this one <laughs> this one is a mir- is a miracle on top of a miracle. I really I really believe that we've been blessed. Truly. It comes at a time that it's greatly needed. Um, As you and I speak, um, I believe last night was your first premiere. Um, I saw some um, pictures from the film being shown um, in Miami in a a, a very unlikely setting, very much a pandemic premiere. Can you say a little bit about what is expected? I mean, we're about a month out as we record from when this will be released nationwide, but Mm -hmm. plans are a little fluid in these days which is why this film is so needed. We need the faith of this film to um, to bolster us during a time of um, challenge for our spiritual lives. But what what are your hopes for the release of the film and how people will be able to see it? 
Well, obviously, we're still, we are very much going for a theatrical release to start. We're going to be following the traditional paths of starting with theatrical. This is a movie that should be seen in community with, you know, with friends and family. Yes, everything is moving. We, we are, we're being quite, I would say, opportunistic with some of our plans as we move through this new cycle, this new reality over this coming month. We are hosting another another set of driving. We're doing pop-up driving movie you know, premiere screenings in major cities throughout the United States. We're going to LA this weekend. We're actually we're doing a pop-up driving at the Palladium, um, and then we go to you know we're, we're in so eight other cities. But as far as August the 14th is concerned, we are still very much working with that date. Um, it may well end up being some kind of staggered screening schedule throughout North America, subject to what theaters are open. One of the key benefits I feel that I is going to, I think, be most profoundly felt with this movie going into theaters first is because the theaters themselves are really positioning themselves as safe places, i.e., you know, they're practicing social distancing. Those that are remaining open practice social distancing. So some are running at 25% capacity, some are running at 50% capacity. And so part of that strategy is for us to actually be able to encourage groups and or families to literally what we call block book a theater, which is actually in some places could be 25 tickets which for some people is one family. So it's actually an opportunity for you to go at, as a private screening with your close family or friends to a CDC guideline regulated, safe, healthy environment to actually go and watch this movie together as a group while practicing social distancing. One of the beauties that we're actually able to provide as well is a slightly more extended run through the theatrical cycle of the film that, you know, it won't be how's the film doing in the first weekend, right, get it off the screens. It's going to be, okay, so we're going to have more screens available that will be running all day long in those theatres that are open. Then it will go to the next state if the state is closed down, then it will go move to the next state as soon as the theatres do reopen. So, yes, we're working very closely with the theatre chains to be able to choreograph a strategic release in the, in, you know, in, throughout the theatre chains. We're working very closely with them to ensure and assure a safe environment for the patrons of the film. And then we're working with individuals and groups to ensure then that their needs and requirements are fulfilled. Obviously, you know, some of the, the key strategies around, you know, usually this would be a block booking of a, you know, a group sale of an entire theatre, which could be a hundred seats. So now we're working with that to, to, to create smaller pockets and smaller groups. Um, so yes, please. You know, we do, we are asking everybody to support the movie, to show your support for the film, to actually come out and do see it. We're creating as safe an environment as we possibly can, um, and then it will be going through. You know, there will be other ways to see the film if people do feel uncomfortable about the idea of actually subscribing to go and see it in a movie theater. It will be going to then TVOD. You know, going to home entertainment probably around November. Well, so, you know, there will be opportunities later in the year. I would say don your mask and go to the theater. I'm already imagining Please that for do. those of us, those of us who, um, who've always wanted Please a home theater do. in our homes. We could, it sounds like we're just about it, close it, to that in the theaters. I'm, I'm, I'm it, already I'm set, putting together right. my 25. So that's amazing. It's a, private, it's a private home view screening with you and your closest friends. It's a great opportunity, you know, to actually go and, 
experience what is ultimately a beautiful film with the key themes of the message of Fatima of faith, hope and love. I mean, we this is a movie that we need today. And, you know, we're so buoyed by the timing and, and the opportunity now to really kind of go out and, and put this into the world at the time of most need. So thank you so much for, for the acknowledgement of that. Um, I'm thrilled to have um, had the chance to speak with you, Natasha, and just grateful for all of your efforts and for giving us the thank gift you. of something so beautiful. We'll be praying oh, for you. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Prayers, prayers are welcome. Prayers are well received. Prayers thank and you. ticket we purchases. <laughs> well, friends, yeah, exactly. That is going to be it for this week's episode of Lisa Hendy and Friends. We will have in our production notes for the podcast all of the ways for you to get in touch with how you can screen Fatima ASAP. Definitely keep in mind that um, this is going to be something really important for us to show our support for. I say it often, if we want films like these, we need to go out and support them. So until next time, I wish you an awesome week. God bless. Looking for exceptional coffee delivered fresh to your door? We have the answer. Our friends at Grim Bean Coffee produce small-batch artisan coffee using top-tier coffee beans. The coffee is roasted when you order, guaranteeing the freshest coffee possible. Check out Breadbox Roasts, a new line of Catholic-themed coffees, available at www.grimbeancoffee.com forward slash Media. Experience coffee like never before.